When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports writer Rusty Simmons. During our conversation, we broke down the Warriors' decision to take Jonathan Kaminga number seven and Moses Moody number 14 in Thursday's NBA draft. Rusty, we're here in the bowels of Chase Center. Of course, Bowles makes it sound like we're in some dark, damp room. We're actually in a really nice luxury suite in Chase Center. Um, the draft is still ongoing. I believe they're in the latter stages of the first round. But the Warriors' night, big trade aside, potential trade aside, is over. Um, the Warriors took Jonathan Kaminga, number seven, from G League Ignite, and Moses Moody out of Arkansas, number 14, with their two lottery picks that kept both picks. There was a lot of speculation that they would try to package those in a trade. They kept them, took a big upside play and Kaminga at seven, and then more of a ready-made guy, Moses Moody, but someone who also still has a bit of upside. He's, he's 19 years old. What, what was your reaction when you saw the Warriors go with Kaminga at seven? Because... There had been a lot of speculation about that possibility. You know, everyone was saying in recent days, Kaminga could fall, Kaminga could fall. What will the Warriors do? To me, that was the most interesting thing entering the draft was if Kaminga's available, which wasn't a guarantee, if he was available, what do they do? Because it was the ultimate, like, do you do you just totally ignore your win-now mantra because he's not close to being help, helpful next season? Or do you just go big? And go home or go home. It, it's fascinating, um, even the way it played out this year, um, because you're exactly right. This is a top five talent that falls to him at seven, but he's probably not going to help you this year, if if much at all. Um, and the Warriors stars had just told the front office, "Hey, we got two or three years left. Let's go after this thing." So that's fascinating in itself. It's more fascinating to me because they had the 14 pick. So I think they they had an option. They could say, "Okay, we can do a big upside thing here," and then get a help now player at 14. Um, so that's what made it even more interesting to me is that they had so many options. And um, I, I think they came away with the perfect world. They got an upside guy for the future to help with the transition from the three stars. Um, and they got a guy in Moody who I think can help this year, who can play reliable minutes in the rotation. And, you know, Moody can help this year, but there was talk, a lot of talk entering the draft about them going after someone like Chris Duarte at 14. And I like Duarte. I thought he was definitely a plug-and-play type guy, but he's 24 years old. And you have someone in Moody who just turned 19, um, I think, projects. I see him kind of as like a Danny Green type mm-hmm. in the NBA. Um Best case scenario, um, which is a very good role player for a winning team. So yeah, if you could have a, if you could have someone like that, 
um, that's a huge asset. And um, so I like the mix with him of, of the upside and and the ability to help now. Um, he was a real possibility at seven not that long ago. I didn't love him at seven because I don't know if he has that level of upside. If I'm, if I'm taking someone in the top ten, I want them to at least have a chance to be a, a stud, to be – you know, an all-star guy. I'm not saying you have to be, but I want to at least have that ceiling. He doesn't have that. He's not an elite athlete. Um, his mobility is not amazing. Um, but I think he can be a good rotational wing, and that's honestly enough. Um, but the really interesting pick to me was was Kaminga because especially – not just the fact that they took Kaminga, but how the draft unfolded and the fact that they still took Kaminga. Because, um, you know, it seemed like entering the draft there was a pretty set number, top five. And everyone knew who, who was going to go five, top five. We all thought we knew the order. The ter- Raptors ended up surprising us taking Scotty Barnes four, which left Orlando to take Jalen Suggs at five. Um but the the big inflection point was going to be six with Oklahoma City, and a lot of people thought Oklahoma City, which was in total rebuild mode, would would bet on the upside of Kaminga, and you know be be in a position to give him minutes and just watch him grow. Instead, they bet on the upside of Josh Giddy, who's a guy who I had been hearing in recent days was emerging as a real possibility for the Warriors at seven. Um, They really liked him, and there's a a decent chance that they could have taken him at seven if he had been available. So, you know, he's off the board. So when the Warriors go on the clock at seven, the top possibilities, the the real possibilities for them there are Jonathan Kaminga, James Booknight Mm -hmm. out of Connecticut, and last but certainly not least uh, Franz Wagner, who has has gained a lot of steam as a possibility in recent days for them at seven. Um, of those three, I think Franz would have been the most ready-made. He he he's kind of the perfect fit for the Warriors system. Super versatile, you know, long, deceivingly athletic. Um, has all the intangibles to be like a really helpful long-term piece. Uh, as more of a complimentary guy, maybe his upside isn't there, but he would be really helpful. Book Knight has a chance to be a high level scorer in the NBA. Could could offer a real offensive punch off the bench, kind of maybe form a nice one two punch long term with uh, with Jordan Poole off that bench. And then you have Kaminga, who is probably the most physically gifted player in this draft in terms of his wingspan, his his frame, um, all of those things, um, has a ton of upside, especially offensively. Defensively, he has all the tools to be great. He just hasn't proven it yet. But in terms of the near term, he's a really bad fit for the Warriors. Um, he's a ball stopper. He's a guy who has not proven he can play off the ball at all. Uh, he has not shown a great feel for the game. Um, he doesn't play with a high motor all the time. Um, his consistency is lacking when it comes to defense. He's got some problems with his shot that need to be worked out. I mean, those are all the antithesis of what the Warriors normally look for. The Warriors normally look for, you know, guys who can move off the ball, guys who have a strong feel for the game, all these things. And the Warriors just went against their entire 
MO because they believe, I'm guessing, because they believe in this guy's upside. Yeah, and of of those weaknesses that you brought up, the motor to me is the hardest one to swallow. Um, with his background, you know, it, he was watching NBA highlights in internet cafes in the Congo. He was playing with beat up sneakers on dirt basketball courts. He's not going to have a feel for the game. Um, I think that's something that he can learn, um, especially in the Warriors system. He's going to have to learn those things. But the motor bothers me um, in the bubble to hear so many talent evaluators say he was lackadaisical on defense or didn't didn't get after it on every play. That bothers me. I wonder. It'll be interesting talking to him. You know, he was injured at the end of that thing. I wonder if he was injured throughout the entire thing. There might be more to it than we know right now. Um, but you're exactly right. You said it right. It's, it's so out of character for the Warriors to go after somebody like that. But it probably speaks to the sheer talent that there is there, that that – they couldn't pass it up. When you first got to the arena today, you said, if he falls to seven, do you take him? And unequivocally, I said, yeah, you have to. You have to. They, mm-hmm. that's the, it's the pick they had to make. Yeah. I mean, this is, in terms of his upside, he's a a number one overall yeah, pick absolutely. caliber guy. There's a reason why there was legitimate buzz for him going number one Um about seven months ago, you know, he started, I watched, I watched the bubble pretty closely. Anyone who listens to this podcast, reads me on a regular basis, knows that I'm probably of any traveling NBA beat writer in the country. I'm probably most into the G league. And so I watched a lot of G league ignites games and his first three games, he looked like a generational talent. I mean, he looked unbelievable. I mean, the stuff he was doing, I remember one play where he just, I think it was against Santa Cruz in the first game of the G League bubble, where he just like drove down to the key and lifted off from right outside like the the elbow and just threw down this one-handed dunk. And everyone was just like, what the hell? Like, what, what was that? I mean, he just came out of nowhere. And he has those flashes. And... But the concerning thing was that he seemed to get worse as the bubble went on. And I know I know some people who work for G League Ignite pretty closely, and um, I talked to them throughout the process and since then. And what I heard was that he had a hard time dealing with Jalen Green kind of taking over and, and his star rising. And I think there were some internal things there. Um and I think his confidence kind of waned and, and he kind of got in his own head a little bit. Um, and then he ended up shutting down early, which was a little bit of a red flag for, for front offices. You know, like, does this guy not love the game? From what I heard there, uh, he just got advice from his agent and took advice. It might have been bad advice, but that was the advice he got. Um but you talked about, you know, growing up in the Congo, you know, not having the structure of American basketball to benefit from. On top of that, like just a little bit of background on Jonathan Kaminga. He's from Goma, Congo, which is one of the poorest countries in the entire world. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of, you know, hardwood courts mm-hmm. out there. Uh, he grew up playing on the streets, you know, watched the NBA go into Internet cafes uh you know, he was actually discovered at a basketball camp at age 12 by Bizback Biombo, who is also Congolese and was playing for Charlotte Hornets at that time. Um, 
ended up moving stateside at 13 years old, has not been back to the Congo since he was 13 years old, has a brother out here who played college ball who's now kind of his manager. Uh, he actually left Texas Tech midseason uh, to, to help his brother, knowing his brother was going to enter the draft. Um, and so he's had a really unique story, and he's he's been away from his family for half a decade. And, you know, so you can't really – question his commitment level um but you know he spent three years in high school he only three because he reclassified and entered entered uh went turned pro and joined g-league ignite a year early but during those three years of high school he he bounced between three different high schools he he went to, to school in west virginia one in new jersey one in new york so he never had he never had like a cohesive system he never he never had like a framework to build upon because he was constantly uh bouncing around so i think that that explains some of why he is so raw yeah. but he was the top rated player in his high school class nationally because despite some of the the rawness he was so far along physically and um you know you look at what he was able to do at the beginning of that G League bubble. And, I mean, there there's a lot of, like, Victor Oladipo in his game. There's a lot of that just downhill stud. And I want to believe that he can tap into that and that he can be one of the greatest players to come out of this draft. Now, do you want, to, do you want your top ten pick playing in the G League as a rookie? Not necessarily, but this is a unique situation, and I think – uh, I think it was the right move. Yeah. I really do. We'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's interesting that when you were talking about um, some of the insight that you got from the people that you know with the Ignite saying that as Jalen Green's star started to rise, that maybe Kamingo had trouble with that. And immediately it triggered what you just said last. Well, if he's spending a bunch of time in Santa Cruz this next year, how's he going to handle that? Um, I think it'll probably be better because they do shuttle Warriors coaches down there, and and it's a very cohesive franchise, the two. Um, So I think he'll be okay with it. Um, And it'll be the first time where he's ever in one place for long enough to get a system, to understand a system. And that's the only way he's going to get minutes. So I think it's the right move. Um, But that'll be an interesting thing to monitor all year is how he he does handle that because he's probably going to be the highest pick that spends the most amount of time in the G League. Yeah, and, you know, he had a pretty brief media availability after getting drafted. But in that brief media availability, he said he wants to be a Hall of Famer. And he said that he's going to go from the bottom to the top in the next couple months. Basically saying, like, I'm going to be rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. Like, I I know people are down to me right now, but I'm going to prove them wrong this year. Which, you know, there is a small part of me that thinks that maybe he can help uh this next season um just because physically he's ready um and those things but 
you know, we were talking before we started recording, and you said if he's if he's playing next season, meaningful minutes. That's not that doesn't bode well for the Warriors, which I can understand that. Um, but I guess maybe it's just like the curiosity in me just would like to yeah. see how he handles yeah. that type of situation. Um, but yeah, the the Warriors need to to learn from the James Wiseman situation. I think they need to take all the pressure off him from the get go. Just be like, yo, this guy is a ball of clay. We're going to bring him along slowly. Um, but I actually think that he has more upside than James Wiseman. Um, I think he right away is their most interesting young player. Um, and I honestly think like we talk a lot about this win now mode and, and, and the need to capitalize and maximize. Steph Curry's prime and all that's true, but you do have to think a little bit about the future and you do have to think about, you know, who's going to kind of lead you into that next era. And in terms of guys who are currently on the roster, I don't think they have that guy. Like Wiseman could be a really good center in the league. I don't think he's that guy. Um, I don't think that Jordan Poole is that guy. Jordan Poole, I think is going to be a really good rotation player for a long time, which is a coup at 28, but I don't think he's, you know, a face of a, a franchise. I think Kaminga has legitimate face of the franchise potential. And, you know, people talk about his floor. I, I do think that he's going to at least be a good player in the NBA. Yep. Like, I don't I don't think he, this guy is going to be a complete bust by any um, – by any – any possibility. Um, I think – I think – but – you know, I kind of give Bob Myers credit because I don't – I think that this – the easy thing in some ways would have been to just take Franz Wagner. Right. Who would have been, in my opinion, like a boring pick, but maybe the right pick. But at the same time, just eh. – Right. Eh, I'm, so, like, let me – I'm going to take a nap and, like, let me know when I should wake up type mm-hmm. situation because – he doesn't have the upside. He 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 would be a safe pick, I think. Um, Kaminga is a risk, but it's a warranted risk. And and if you look at the Warriors roster, you know I know that they're they they need some help, but I don't think that they're the the chances of them being a contender next season is going to hinge on who they took today. I think you know. The truth is that rookies usually aren't great. And, you know, they even guys taken in the top 10 are not necessarily going to put you over the top, especially when you already have players like Steph and Clay Thompson and, and Draymond Green. You know, like this isn't a normal situation for a top pick to come into. So um, I loved the guts, I loved the gamble. Um, and honestly, at the end of the day, all we really care about is uh, storylines and jur- the journalistic aspect of it. And I'm so intrigued by Kaminga, and I'm very excited to chronicle his journey over the next year or so because I think it's going to be fascinating. I'm already booking my my ticket to to Santa Cruz on a regular basis. And uh, oh, I thought you were going to say to Goma. You know, one thing, one thing to speak about Goma, <laughs> like one thing that people don't know about Jonathan Kaminga. He's from Goma, which is, I believe is the capital of the Congo. A couple months ago, Goma was ravaged by a volcano. Um, 
I, I read up in my world news, and it was all over the New York Times. Uh, there's a an active volcano right at the base of right at the foot of the city, and it erupted a couple months ago, and the entire city, over a million people, had to evacuate, and a lot of his friends and family were among those refugees, and so he has family and friends who are at like refugee camps yeah, right now. Right. And uh so, you know, if you question this guy, like, you know, this guy's got a lot to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to kind of start peeling back the layers a little bit. The other thing that triggered in my head uh while you were talking about that was the safe picks, the the Wagners of the world, or if Duarte had fallen to him at fourteen, um I'm not sure those are ne- necessarily tradable assets. Kaminga is. Wiseman is. So even if they don't necessarily develop here or work with the Warriors championship window with Curry, Green, and Thompson, they now have some pieces that they can move um, where teams aren't just coming to them and saying, you have nothing but picks. We don't. That's not enough. Now they have real assets that teams are going to covet. So if you do get to the trade deadline, while well, you're right, Kaminga's probably not going to help this year. Rookies usually don't. He could help at the trade deadline when another superstar comes available and the Warriors have Kaminga now, Wiseman now, and future picks, and Poole, and all these guys that, yeah. that other teams actually want. Yeah, but and that's been the narrative, and I know that that's been a big thing people are talking about is, you know, did they take him for his trade value? I know that they had been in talks earlier tonight about potential trades involving Kaminga, and nothing happened, and from what I've heard, nothing is imminent. Um, it could be a situation where something materializes, comes together in the next few weeks, and he's traded as a part of a bigger deal. Um, but I honestly question his trade value. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he was still there at seven. Yeah. There's a reason why – and if the Warriors hadn't taken him at seven, he could have very well fallen to 10, 11. I mean, um, there there was just so many questions about his – how how much of a project he is and his – defensive issues and his shooting inefficiency and all that. And, um, and so I really wonder like who sees him as the answer and is willing to, you know, make him a key part of a trade for an important player. Like, I just, I don't know if that really is out there. I think the Warriors probably took him thinking maybe there is a team out there that loves this guy, but probably my guess is that, they're comfortable just holding on to him. And the thing is, if there was going to be a trade for him, it would need to happen soon. It would need to happen in the next month or two before the season starts because you get into um, the season, he's not going to be playing, and he's going to honestly be probably one of the only lottery picks he's not playing. He's probably going to be in the G League. Like, his – people are going to – even if he's dominant in the G League, like people are gonna sour on him just because he's not where a, t- a top ten pick should be as a rookie. Um, so I think there's a small window. You know, maybe he goes out. We got summer league coming up here in the next couple of days. Maybe he goes to Sacramento and Vegas and is just dominant. Maybe he's just like a man among boys, and other teams are like, "Whoa, okay, maybe he's closer to helping than we thought." And then you know, maybe. 
that that's what ends up happening and, and the Warriors can package him in a deal. I think they're going to do everything they can to showcase him, not only to bring along his development, but to, but for those purposes. So it'll be fascinating. I'm, I'm going to be in Sacramento. I'm going to be in Vegas. That is the number one thing I will be watching. Moses Moody, good pick at 14, but I'm just so intrigued by Kaminga. Yeah. You might as well uh, get that profile filed and in the bag because uh yeah it, did i just give away too much yeah oh man we might need to cut this <laughs> uh, uh yeah uh full disclosure i was supposed to write that weeks ago um uh, but something it fell through so he's not on the team now so it'll happen at some point uh, uh rusty thank you so much for uh for joining me back on the podcast um you know you've you've uh you've been helping out in a bunch of different ways you've been on the beat for a long time is can you think of like a comparative situation since you've been around the Warriors to to this I mean where they're betting this big on someone who is this raw no not specifically um just because they had so many picks that year um it reminds me a little bit of 2012 where they knew they had the pieces for a team that might I don't even know if they were saying contending yet, but but was making the playoffs and and could do some things. Um, And they held on to the seventh pick to get Harrison Barnes and then got Festus Azili, who was able to play right away, and then lucked out on Draymond Green. Um, So it reminds me a little bit of that, just that they had so much draft capital um, and were trending in the right direction. Now they have more proven players, and they're trying to fill in some pieces on that. That's the only thing that comes to mind right away. Um, But never, never going this high on on upside when there's already a team that has championship mindset yeah and it's interesting because like the entire narrative for for a long time was they're going to go in on the win now thing and maximize steph's prime and honestly even though moses moody can help them it still kind of contradicts that because he is 19 years old he wouldn't help them as much as you know some other guys they could have gotten there um but I think that with Moody, they were just so happy that he was still there. Um, I didn't think he'd get past San Antonio. So I was, I was shocked on that one. Um, I thought he was a good fit there. Um, so if I'm, if I'm the Warriors and I'm looking at this, um, I'm thinking they got potentially a top one or two player if Kaminga works. Mm-hmm. They got one to drop to – one or two to drop to seven. And then they got Moody, who I think was a top ten player and gets past San Antonio, which you never want to be drafted behind San Antonio. Um, so uh, to me, uh, this was a, a perfect world for the Warriors today. Now, yeah. So, what now, would you grade this draft for the Warriors? I'll tell you this, and I'll give a shout out to Bram, who runs another really popular podcast. He texted me this morning and said, "What do you think will happen tonight?" And I said, "A perfect world will be Kaminga and Moody." And I had wow. I had no thought that it would actually happen. I thought I thought Moody was going twelve. Wow. So you'll give him that. That's an A plus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I'm gonna give um, I'm gonna give them a B plus, and the only reason I'm not giving them an A is because I I would have liked to have seen them orchestrate a tr- orchestrate yeah, a trade yeah, where they could have gotten someone who has already been in the NBA and can like slide in right away. But you know, as far as the scenario of keeping both picks, I think this is a a best case scenario i know there are going to be a lot of warriors fans a lot of people out there who aren't loving it because they're going to have to not see 
their top ten pick <laughs> playing in the NBA next season. <laughs> but hey, you know, I have a feeling that Santa Cruz is gonna be selling out its every single game yeah. that he's playing in because he's gonna be fun to watch and um I just the thing is with young guys, like if you see glimpses, if you see flashes, like you gotta you gotta seize on that yeah. because once you know, you can focus on his shortcomings all you want, but his highs were higher than almost any right. player in this draft's highs. Yeah. And you got to believe that with it, being able to focus on it full time and being in an NBA environment, that he's going to have more and more of those highs. The guy's only 18 years old. He could have been a high school senior this past year. I mean, yeah, you can be critical of his season in the G League, but. You know, he averaged almost 16 points per game over seven. He's a really good rebounder, by the yeah. way. Over seven rebounds per game and a little over 30 minutes per game against grown men. Right. I mean, that alone is incredibly impressive. And so I do think that, like, a lot of times with the draft, there's these narratives that develop. And sometimes people can get so negative. And I think with Kaminga, it almost reminds me a little bit of, like, Andrew Wiggins when he was in Minnesota. It's mm-hmm. like... People just forgot that he was actually a good player. People are just so negative now, and they're like, oh, he's you know going to be a bust, and he no way the Warriors should take him at seven. I'm like, did you see the same like three games to start the G League that I did? Because if you go back and watch that film against Santa Cruz, and you know that Warriors are watching that film, like he he looked like a generational player. And I I have a hard time believing that that was just a complete aberration. Um, I w- I was very surprised by his regression, but I talked to someone with the Warriors right after that uh, that game against Santa Cruz, and he said he's a number one pick. Like he's better than Jalen Green. He's better than Jalen Green. Um, Jalen Green in that same game looked like a little mouse. He just looked scared. He looked totally overwhelmed by the moment. Now, the fact that Jalen Green improved and Jonathan Kaminga regressed obviously bodes better for Green and is part of why Green went number two and Kaminga went number seven. But I do think that Kaminga has that same level of upside. And I think, um, you know, he's raw more raw than than green but there's reasons that we've already talked about yeah. for why he's raw yeah. i mean um so i think i think it's uh you know I, i'll be honest with you like entering this draft i was so curious to see if they would take Kaminga, and i really believed they wouldn't but i really wanted them to <laughs> and the reason i really wanted him to is because i'm so curious about him like i'm just so intrigued by him i have no i don't know if he'll be the right pick long-term, but I just want to see. And I think that there's a strong contingent in the front office leading with these guys named the Lake Mm -hmm. I think the Lake are big fans of Kaminga. I think they were very vocal in that draft room being like, we, we, we talent wins out. Like, come on guys. And I think that's, that's why they went the way they went. We're going to be talking to Bob Myers here shortly hopefully we can get a little bit more insight uh into the thought process my guess is we won't i love bob but he doesn't really you know lift the curtain that much for us he's not gonna expand much on the miami workout yeah yeah (laughs) but you know they did 
I knew that when they flew out to Miami, um, that they were serious about him. Mm-hmm. They took him out to dinner. They did the whole nine. I talked to someone the other day who said that um, Kaminga was actually at the Peach Jam, the high school tournament, mm-hmm. a couple days ago, watching his old AAU team play. And from what I heard, one of the Warrior Scouts spent the entire game talking to Kaminga's brother. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, they're really, they're really digging in deep here. They're really doing their homework. Because I don't think they thought Kaminga had a chance to be there at seven until just the past week or so. So I think they felt like they had to play catch up a lot. And I talked to someone yesterday in the front office who was like, if he's there, we're leaning toward taking him. And that made me think, okay, there's definitely a couple factions in that front office. I'm sure there are some people who are like not comfortable with it. I'm sure there was a vocal Franz Wagner contingent. But um, personally, I'm very happy that Kaminga won out because it's just going to be, yo, like I said, Santa Cruz Warriors game, sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> I'm so excited to see him just obliterate some some G League competition because if he's doing that at 18, you know, he's going to be doing it even more and more at 19. Yeah. Well, while Connor is uh, shuttling back and forth between Walnut Creek for Ignite games and <laughs> Santa Cruz for uh, Warriors games to see Kaminga. I'll uh, stick around here and watch Steph and Clay and Draymond if that's all right. Yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> I will say that's like an underrated thing about this. Kaminga doesn't even have to really move. No, I mean I know he's been based out of Miami recently, but he spent all last year out in Walnut Creek, so he's familiar with the area. And as a guy who's from abroad, that uh, that helps the transition. For sure. Our thanks to Rusty Simmons for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciated all of his insight. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 